listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast with your hosts, Derek Doucette and Corey Hoffing. Hello and welcome to episode four. We're so, talking Derek. drums. Oh, I thought we were going to do that to, together. Oh, right. In harmony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, dude, we're drummers, not vocalists. Come on. Fix it in post. Honestly. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll find We'll auto tune it. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> so, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm not bad, man. Um, a little sleepy, you know. Um, I was really cold and then I had a bowl of soup and now I'm too warm. So, uh, just can't win today, I guess. No, man, not, you can't win every day, you know, yeah. or every week or every year for that matter at being 2020. <laughs> quoting friends almost. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so. That's a fantastic uh, theme song. So, you know, <laughs> well, dude, I will say that uh, this week has come full of surprises for me. Yeah. I, uh, I, for one, drum wise, um, I ordered the low mass uh pedal boards and um some bias rods for my trick dominators mm -hmm. about four to five months ago did they uh, come in and i got them in the mail yesterday um, i was yeah i was pretty stoked i've been so busy that i haven't even opened them yet oh. but uh <laughs> You know, I'm gonna uh, get around to it, and and so that that was a little bit of like a happy surprise uh, there. There was also like this crazy import fee on them as well. Um, I don't know what the American government's doing, but I wasn't too stoked about that. But oh. hey, I got them, and I am stoked to get some bias new bias rods in because I've been playing with everything stock for probably about nine years now. <laughs> And those bias rods do not last that long, uh, especially with the way I play. So, yeah, uh, I'm really curious to see how those, uh, like, what the change is between the low mass and the regular footboard. I um, am too. Yeah, cause I the, I'm because uh, the like the pedals that I just ordered, which I'm probably not going to get until maybe March. They're uh, I got the Pro One Vs, but the low mass version. So I'm really uh, there's part of me that's nervous because I do like a heavier feeling footboard, but I should be able to get what I want with just beater weights if it's too light. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I'll let you know. Um, and uh, sometime between now and March, I'll let you uh, try them out. So, I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you'll be able to feel them beforehand or whatever. But this time, just don't keep them. All uh, right? <laughs> no, no, guar no guarantees. Although I, I'm so excited to get my new pedals. Like, um, I love my dominators. There's a a few. There's something going on with my left, my my main pedal actually. That um, I ordered the Trick Pro One V, uh, like the uh, what's it called, the Direct Drive, so that I had the three different uh, links that I could put on it. Um, yes, and I got it in there, but it doesn't seem to. I, I don't know. I might have to just take it out and do, put it back in because I think I might have like misaligned something because it kind of pops off to the side and causes my pedal to feel a little stiff. Not much by any means, but just a little bit. And I think that uh, if I take it off and fix it, then I'll, it'll feel a lot better. Yeah, well, I am stoked because mine is like the... Uh, I have like the original model of the Dominators. 
Um, and they're different than yours. So mine, I can't even get put the laser triggers on. They oh. like, yeah. So they like it was like the early models of them, and the you know the little piece that connects the footboard uh, to like the direct drive mount mm-hmm. piece. Um, that is loose in mine. So it it does. It feels like relatively stiff sometimes because the 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 direct drive uh, piece kind of like floats to one side. Oh, so yeah. I, I actually have like the full, I got the new footboard and I got the new direct drive piece and I got bias rod. So like it's a full overhaul on my pedals and I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, that's going to f- be so nice to play. It'll be like in brand new pedals pretty much. Yeah, man. Like everything except for like the, the base and the the actual like cons- compression spring and everything, but like mm-hmm. yeah, man, I'm I'm really stoked about it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my sweet. new my new gear for the <coughs> for the month. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have uh, I got to get some sticks. I broke like four sticks at practice the other day, and I was so annoyed. Um, and I ended up having to play with a set with a tip had a bit of a chip in it, and now I've got some dings in my skins. Uh, but I mean, I needed new heads anyway, so it's not a huge deal. It's just, oh yeah, don't really going to school. I don't really have the money <laughs> to get new gear. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've been holding off on sticks a little bit, a little bit longer than I wanted to, because I played three different, um, different types of sticks: all Los Cabos White Hickory, but the fifty-five AB, the five B, and the two B. Mm-hmm. So I have so many two Bs. So like every time I go to jam, I just grab a new pair. Yeah, that must be nice. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like I used to get every time I got um a brick of five Bs, I would get a brick of two Bs with it. But I only really use the two Bs for warm ups and like sometimes when I'm practicing. I never use it live or in studio or anything like that. Yeah. So. Uh, I just like I like the feel of the the five B in my hand better. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's just I I find it I find it to be a lot more comfortable. And the fifty five ABs ha- are, are a little lighter, and they're great for like the more country and like soft rock stuff that I do. So, yeah. See, I know. just use the Vic Firth metal sticks, and uh, I'm not endorsed by Vic Firth, so I have to pay full price for them, which is uh like 13 14 bucks a pair and yeah uh, sometimes it sucks as i mean a stick is wood so you can't guarantee that it doesn't have a flaw on the inside of it and every now and then you snap one really fast and uh it's frustrating yeah i've been fortunate enough to be with uh los cabos for probably seven years now I've been with them and they just, they've been fantastic. And like, I had issues. I tried every stick out there and I uh, honestly, I found that Vic Firth were the worst. Uh, There was multiple times where I had (laughs) brand new sets of sticks uh, at a gig and I get two songs in and it snaps in half. (laughs) And I like, you know, when you're spending back then it would have been like $12 a pair, 1250, something like that. Like, I was just like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) Like, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to buy cheaper sticks then. And, uh, 
then uh, a friend of mine uh, hooked me up with Los Cabos after we got back from Germany. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, I absolutely love them. They have such a wide variety of sticks, even though they don't have like the specific like metal ones. They do have like a rock one, which I think is a little longer and <laughs> and and around like a two B. Um, yeah, I've actually but, looked at those. The rock one is uh, it's I think sixteen and three quarters of an inch, or sixteen and a half maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my only issue, like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I do find that the Vic Firth ones do seem to be a little, uh, they can be a little fragile, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I love how the metal sticks feel. Like, that's my only issue. Like, and I haven't found any company that makes sticks that size. Because um, they're also a little bit thicker than 2Bs, I think. Um, and I think Scorpion Percussion might make a long, like a 17-inch stick that's a little thicker that I might try out at some point. But that's my issue. It's just like, I love how they feel. And every time I play anything else and then go back to the metal sticks, it's just like, oh, no, these, there's no contest. Uh, at yeah. least for me. So I'm stuck at the moment. Hey, man, whatever works for you works for you. Um, I do know that uh, Spencer, the drummer of Archspire, has a deal with Scorpion. And... Uh, I, I was actually trying to get him in with Los Cabos, but they didn't make anything because he used to use like Vic Firth marching sticks. Like, oh, yeah. The biggest, most, like, just like branches. Like, mm-hmm. just, he's got trees in his hands and he's blasting at 400. Like, <laughs> guy's crazy. But, um, I just, I saw more recently that he has a signature stick with Scorpion. So maybe shoot them a message and see what what he's rocking there and if you can uh test out a couple pairs yeah i should do that i've been meaning to i haven't really done much along the lines of drum stuff lately it's mostly been just like i'm really only getting to practice when i'm at band practice or if i'm just kind of dicking around on my kit like an electric kit at home just for fun and not actually doing any real practicing but i know uh reading week is coming up and i'm so excited because i'm going to like try to get into the studio as much as I can and maybe do some videos and stuff. Man, like even myself, I've, uh, I've also been trying to get my studio, uh, up and going. Uh, so I have a band in here right now. We track drums on Saturday and I've just been editing drums like every day since. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so editing drums is a lot of fun. For anyone who hasn't done it, <laughs> dude, it's a blast. Um, Pun intended. But yeah, it, but like doing all this other type of work has uh, led me to not actually sit down at my kit and uh, be able to smash away. And I'm, I've been honestly, the last couple of days, I've been feeling it. Yeah. Like I've just been feeling like I need to practice. Like there's something <clears throat> mentally off with me the last couple of days because I haven't played drums in in like in a week almost. Yeah, I get so, that. Yeah, I just it, it's frustrating. But I also have a couple of potential uh, sessions coming up uh, for some clients. So hopefully that goes well. And I hop, <clears throat> I actually have three potential ones and a top secret thing that me and you will talk about after that i'm very excited about oh i'm excited uh, about that too now 
Let's yeah, just end the podcast tight. early and go talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm really, really stoked <clears throat> about it. And uh I don't think anyone else in the band had knows <laughs> that I'm gonna <laughs> do it, but whatever. Um, well well uh in the spirit of finishing this podcast earlier, why don't we <laughs> like fifteen minutes later, why don't we introduce today's theme? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So, so uh you, you go ahead. Please. No, oh, lady, no, ladies no, first. after you. Oh, <laughs> All right, let's do it at the I same guess. time. One, <laughs> two, three. Influential drummers. Drummers, drummers. That, that's right. Thank you. You, you nailed that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that was pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so today we want to chat about our uh, influences from the very beginning and, and even up until right Ye- now. Yesterday. When, <laughs> while we're sitting here. Like, yeah. Even tomorrow you know <laughs> so so Derek growing up man when you first started playing who who was I guess I guess the, the thing is too like especially for me it wasn't necessarily about like a specific drummer um because I didn't start playing drums until I was 18 right so mm-hmm. but I was like heavy into music I'd been playing in bands for like three or four years at that point uh, so I already had like drummers that I loved before I even sat down at the instrument. So did you have specific drummers or was it more like bands that kind of influence your sound? Because I know for me, like it was bands as a whole would influence me musically across the board from being a bass player, a guitar player, uh, a drummer, even like writing vocals and stuff like that. So <laughs> Um, um it, it was interesting because I um so I mean I started playing when I was 14, so I really hadn't I mean I guess I'd been into music for a couple of years, but <clears throat> um I I feel like before I had any drummers as influences, I just admired drums in general. Um I know my brother had been playing guitar for like seven years already and he was always like, Yeah, I need a drummer, and <clears throat> I always just thought drums were cool, like going to see his school band like the orchestra perform and stuff and the jazz band would come on i'd always be watching the drummer and um and things like that so uh that always made me want to get into drums i'm trying to think of some of my my very early influences and um the first one i can think of was uh trim torson from emperor um he was uh such i don't know if you're familiar with with him or not but uh he was just a like viciously fast drummer uh he also played in zyklon um after emperor and uh i was always just really at the beginning i was just like wow how do you blast so fast how does he like keep his double bass going for so long and that was like kind of like the first drummer that i i sought to emulate when i was uh just beginning Wow, you're uh, you're going extreme right out of the gate, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that was because Devin was like my brother was already into metal, and it's like I knew I had to be a metal drummer. It's like all right, let's figure this stuff out. Yeah, well, like for me, man, I didn't I didn't really get into death metal or like the the super extreme side of metal until probably more into my like early to mid twenties. Yeah. Um. Like when I first started playing drums, uh, I was heavy into the the power metal and like the 
new new wave <clears throat> British heavy metal and like uh all that all that stuff. And I I grew up on punk rock and hardcore and everything. So like the deathcore scene was huge around that time and like your despised icons and mm-hmm. and you know, those guys like things just started getting out of control with them. But um honestly like my my first big influence was definitely uh Nico from Iron Maiden. Yeah. Like not only was he like uh, such a solid drummer and when he joined it just like elevated their career Mm -hmm. um you know they were already a big band but like having him uh as their backbone man and um like he he was just just incredible to watch too and he has so much fun behind the kit like yeah. he's always smiling and like, he seems like just such a happy dude just playing and, uh, you know, his like massive kit and all his fills and everything like, like, dude, it, I, I've seen Iron Maiden, I think like 10 or 11 times now and he's still ripping it. Like, it's funny. It's one of those things that I think a lot of metalheads will call blasphemous. I don't know anything about Iron Maiden at all. <laughs> Like yeah, well, you went from zero to a hundred. You went right to emperor, dude. Like, Jesus. Yeah. I kind of you like know? we. Were, I was never in a like power metal or anything like that. It was always just like it went. Once I like when I was a kid, I once I got through my obligatory new metal phase, then it was like all right, death metal and black metal. Um, See, I n- I never had that new metal phase. I hate I. <laughs> I don't want to say I hated it, but like I kind of despised all the the new metal kids and everything they were listening to, and cause I like I was into punk rock, like mm-hmm. I was listening to Rancid and No Effects, and you know like Catch Twenty Two, and you know like like all that punk rock. Pennywise was actually like the my first show I ever went to, and yeah. so I came from that type of underground scene. And I just didn't really connect with what the new metal was doing. But then at the same time, my brother was showing me Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. And like we were rocking like Deep Purple records. And then slowly like Halloween and 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 then like Iced Earth and and fucking Children of Bodom, mm-hmm. you know, like though that was like kind of my introduction at around like 15 16 um maybe even earlier than that 14 15 arch enemy you know when wages of sin came out like i fucking it blew my mind man i'd never heard anything like that at that point so yeah i listened to like i I remember being a big fan of corn when i was maybe like 10 and um I think whenever I was, I was like 12 or something like that, I heard, I saw a Cradle of Filth video, her ghost in the fog. And I was just like, what is like, what the hell is this? And, and I'll admit, I don't listen to Cradle of Filth at all anymore. Um, but I mean, I will throw on like the couple of albums I used to listen to every now and then just for nostalgic purposes. But um, that was really the gateway to more extreme stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but jumping back to, to drummers. So, um, yeah, Trim was definitely one of my earlier ones. Uh, my next one, which was a huge one, and I, I mean, he still is, um, and I still find myself like incorporating kind of things that he influenced me to do into my playing was Martin Lopez uh, from Opeth. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, 
the first time that I saw anyone do a mix of fast double bass stuff, but also like he was kind of the first person that introduced me to ghost notes. And uh, I remember uh, Devin and I sitting and watching a, a DVD of theirs and we didn't even know what they were, but Devin was like, see how he's like doing this little weird thing is there. And I was like, yeah, what is he like? What is that? What is he doing? And, and um, I just, I really loved the way he played and I actually finally got to see him play drums. Um, actually, no, come to think of it. I did see Opeth play uh, in Toronto like years and years and years ago with him. But then I got to see him again at Vakken playing with Soen, which was pretty cool. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, man, those ghost notes. And I know you incorporate them a lot into the Century stuff. Mm-hmm. And, man, I love them. And it's something that I never um, was really able to utilize in any of the bands that I play because it's always just, like, fast, heavy, and hard. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Until I, I joined... Johnny Nocash and Celtic Outlaws and I'm like man I can do ghost notes now and then <laughs> I I don't want to say I invented it but I invented uh the ghost blast so <laughs> it's like it's like you're blasting and like every uh I guess like it'd be like half note or whole note is like a full stroke but then you're you're blasting but it's all ghost notes underneath <laughs> it you know so yeah. it, it it is, I think it's in like a six, eight groove that I do it in <laughs> one song. Um, and I definitely am incorporating it more into the newer stuff as we're getting a little heavier with this new album we're writing, I want to say. Which I'm very excited um, about. N- heavier yet softer. So like it's weird, but definitely more progressive. And um, I'm digging it where we're going with it. But nice. Yeah, man, ghost notes are um super cool thing. When like the first time I actually like found out like, oh, that's that's a thing. You're just playing softer and those in betweens. Yeah. You know, like so rather than just hitting <laughs> fucking hard <laughs> every single hit, like you can have some dexterity to your playing. Like totally. Wow. What a thing. I do. When I first started, I was like, all right, you got to play at 200 uh, as fast and heavy as possible. Hit hard. Like, yeah. That's kind of what I was told. So I hit hard every single time I could. You yeah. Know? But um, I actually found out that uh, I, I shouldn't say I found out that I could play double bass because looking back, I could not play double bass. But um, <laughs> Devin and I were trying to learn uh, the song um, Demon of the Fall by Opeth. And there's a, a part towards the end where uh, it's like a little acoustic bridge and that comes in with like fairly quick double bass. Like it's probably 180, 190 or something like that. Um, and uh, I just kind of tensed and twitched and kind of hit it. But like his friends and, and his band at the time all saw me do it and they were like, holy crap, how are you doing that? And I thought it was so cool because I was just like, you know, it was a kid and he was my older brother and I thought he was cool at the time. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I remember later on, um, so after that band of his had broken up, uh, him and I had started a band called Sarah from slaughter and, uh, we were playing for a while anyway. So we had a, uh, we ended up having a family reunion. I guess this doesn't involve that band at all, but we've been playing together now for a bit. Um, and we had a family reunion and we ended up playing, I don't know how much you know about Opeth, but we played a song, uh, we played a couple of songs. We played um, uh, Sober by Tool, 
and all you know, family reunions mostly filled with old people, and they were like, "Oh, that's a nice song." He's singing, and because Devin was singing for it, and then uh, they all applauded. But then we played "Deliverance" by Opeth, and where Devin's doing like death metal growls, <laughs> and it's like a ten minute song. <laughs> um, and uh, everybody left. <laughs> it was like yeah. there was like three people left in the hall. But, and that's uh, the first time you cleared out a venue. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much for- <laughs> that was foreshadowing the population of future shows that I would play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, so after those two, um, another one honorable mention would be Nick Barker, um, the old from like old Dimmy Borgir. Uh, oh yeah, Dimmy Borgir, um, who is like he's just you know insane. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that everything was like everything was super triggered, but uh, again, at the time, I was just blown away by like how fast it was. I had no idea how that was possible. Um. And I'm still blown is- away by some of those old records, man. Like Puritanical is like a fucking masterpiece, man. Yeah, like I don't like I something that old, and I still feel like I would have trouble going that fast. Like it's pretty nice. Oh, yeah, dude. Like I, I wouldn't even attempt any of those songs. I couldn't do them justice. Not, mm-hmm. not to that level. The way that that he plays them, like it, he's insane. <coughs> um. So, yeah, this is it's your turn. <laughs> oh, it's my turn now. Yeah, Ooh. Yeah. Well, um, like I, I was saying before, like all the bands I got, I got into, and everything like that. Like Arch Enemy was a a massive influence, and like looking back on it too, I was always just baffled at the drum production on every album from like wages of sin onward. And I know that's when they got like more popularity and everything like that, Mm -hmm. but just like the way the drums sound every time, like you knew it was Daniel playing. Like he is, he just has that sound about him and man, like that guy is insane. And even though a lot of what he's doing is very simple, um, just like, you know, double kick like in in your mid range and like nothing like crazy, but then he'll just like bust out something and it'd be like, holy shit, like what the fuck was that? Yeah, it's really uh, tasty. Yeah, like he's a very tasteful player. Um, but definitely going back on like the Wages of Sin record, like they, it blew my mind. Um, I think the song First Deadly Sin, like that that's still hand hands down is my favorite arch enemy song yeah. his and, brother uh his brother is adrian is also yes. a great drummer yeah oh dude he's phenomenal imagine having uh, a brother that's also a drummer that must have been frustrating i know right you're both <laughs> drummers like how do you have two drum kits in the house growing up oh, like how parents. did that work i know <laughs> like, <laughs> how I I just don't understand how you could do. You take turns, so literally every hour of the day, like someone's playing drums. Oh, that must uh, have sucked. Yeah. Being that and they're, <laughs> they're both phenomenal mm-hmm. too, right? I think so. Adrian played for Cradle of Filth. Was it? Um, I think he did. Where did I? I just saw him him play, and I can't. He's playing. I know now. It's on the tip of my <clears> tongue. I I I don't know why I can't remember. Oh, he's playing for At the Gates right now. Oh, cool. I know I know that because uh last time I saw them, I think it was Amonomarth Arch Enemy 
at the gates uh, and somebody else was on that bill. It was all a hundred percent Swedish bill, um, which is super cool. Mm. But uh, I love me some Swedish metal. But uh, yeah, and they shared the same kit. And but dude, as soon as Daniel got up there, it was like it was like they changed kits, and they probably obviously they change sound engineers and everything. And I think he has like a hybrid kit that he. Uh, has it like half triggered and half mic'd. So nice. yeah, that always like blew my mind. Um, just how drummers would do that. It just seemed like too much to go wrong mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> like, you know, it's one thing to have everything mic'd up and tuned properly, but then you have all these electronics within the drums that like could go wrong and if one just doesn't work that like i don't know um i've tried to do that with my kick drum before and i just didn't like it like i didn't like how it sounded i found i mean maybe if i had have recorded the sample from that same kick and kept the same tuning it would have sounded okay but um i ended up just liking the side of the trigger that i have so i, I go with that yeah man kick drums uh, i'll go triggers all day especially well mm-hmm. i use two single kicks so same trying to trying to do like all right the biggest thing though is like i like my my decals on the on the front to have no holes in them because yeah. i like it to look fresh and sleek and cool mm-hmm. i'm all about appearance you know so i also <laughs> like i wanted because uh, i've got I also have like custom bass drum heads now and uh, I really didn't want to like I finished making the graphic for it and I was like, oh, this looks awesome. I do not want to put a hole in this. <laughs> and uh, I ended up doing it and I, I found a spot that like worked and it actually looks OK. Um, just I figured it's better to have it not need it than need it not have it. Uh, no, man, I've I've literally uh, never had a use for it because I play triggers and yeah. there's there's no reason to mic it and i don't even i don't argue with sound guys i don't do any of that i'm like this is here like plug into this di they're labeled i have my my sample out and i have my trigger out and they're clearly labeled so just instead of plugging into the kick mic plug into this and that will that'll that'll be good yeah i I think i might do that for the next um like whenever we re- we release a new album, I'm gonna need to n- get new bass drum heads for it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll probably not get holes on those ones. Yeah. Well, I am getting a new kit soon, uh, which has 22 inch kick drums. So I'm gonna need all new decals for my metal kit. So hopefully, I uh, I'll have some new album art for one of my many metal bands which there's only one really (laughs) so um yeah but that's another interesting uh topic about my new drum kit that we will talk about later (laughs) so because i can't talk about it right now so so after arch enemy um well that was you that not me i mean i did like arch enemy as well actually Um, i loved arch enemy and i went through a few um like I had a number of practice CDs um, that I would just because, you know, at the time I would have a CD player next to my drum kit and I'd have headphones plugged in. and I'd be playing along with that. Um, and I remember. I, so I'm going to give these drummers honorable mentions because I never really said that 
would consider them like huge, huge influences that change the way I'm playing. Um, and the first one I'm going to say again will probably be kind of blasphemous sounding, but uh, it was Dave Lombardo from Slayer. Um, I used to play around, uh, or I used to play along to um, uh, God Hates Us All, uh, that whole album start to finish, uh, and Testament's album The Gathering, which also I think has Dave Lombardo drumming on it. And those were two that I used to just play through like every single day after school. Um, just to try and get my chops up there. What was, uh, did Dave Lombardo play on God hates us all? Oh, I thought so. I'm assuming so. I'm looking it up right now. Cause I <laughs> did not think so. I thought it was, uh, Paul Bostaff that played on that. For some reason uh, I thought that he joined later, um, but, um, no, I thought I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm terrible with this stupid Wikipedia things. Uh, do do do. No, I was I had this conversation with. I got it the here the day. Did you uh, find it? Oh my god, it was Paul. There Holy we go. crap! I've been thinking that since I was like, what year did this come out? Oh my god, my whole like drumming history has just been altered. <laughs> <laughs> there That's you go, crazy. Dude. You know what must be messing me up is because I saw Slayer when I was. It was actually the first big concert I'd ever seen. Um. Mm-hmm. And Dave Lombardo actually played that concert with them, and they opened with Disciple, so I kind of just assumed, I guess, um, that he was the drummer on that. That's nuts. I got to double check that other one now. When What show did you see them at? Because they were touring for God <clears throat> Hates Us All, right? Uh, I don't know. It was in. I was 17. It was in Moncton. It was with Damage Plan, so I got to see Vinnie Paul and Dimebag, which was nice. Oh, um, awesome. I, got, I also got a pick from Jeff Hanneman at that show. Oh, yeah, I was shit. like, we were right up front. That's sick, man. Mm-hmm. I know the, I think the one and only time I've seen Slayer was with Judas Priest on the, I think it was Priest's 30th anniversary tour when Halford rejoined. Yeah. And dude, I, we, we got scalper tickets for like, a ridiculous amount of money like it was way too much money to spend on tickets um and thank you to my brother who paid for them because i was 18 at the time maybe 17 18 and uh i couldn't afford shit so uh, (laughs) we are like 10th row in the pit and dude when slayer came on i thought my chest was caving in because it was so fucking heavy like that was the heaviest show I've ever experienced at the amphitheater. <laughs> like it was, man. And that album like blew me away. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Slayer fan, but God Hates Us All front to back is just an incredible record. Yeah, it is like, pretty great. It makes me want to listen to it. I haven't heard it in years now. So, dude, I know. And I had the same thing. Um, it was like probably about a month ago. I, I was talking about it and then I was like, man, I got it like I got to listen to it like right now. Like it's like, it just gets, it's infectious. Like it yeah. gets into you. You're like, fuck yeah, dude. Like it brings back so many good memories too. Same with them. Have you heard the other album I mentioned, uh, the gathering by Testament? Cause it is awesome. Even it's still sure. an awesome album. I honestly, Testament's kind of been, uh, I, I listened to a bunch of their records back in the day, but I never like fully got into them. Um, the I don't way know I anything else into. by them. That's, that's just, I only know that one album 
um, I listened to a few other songs by them. I'm like, eh, but that album is just like killer. It's called The Gathering? Yeah. It's very different than stuff I normally listen to. Um, but uh, so, so one drummer I, I feel that I need to mention because I would list this guy as probably one of my all-time biggest influences. Uh, and it was, I got a DVD for Christmas. I forget how old I was. I remember the moment I first saw this. Um, and I'll announce the band in a second. But I, I remember getting a DVD of this band. I was just starting to get really into and I also got like a thing of like ruffles, chips and dip, which was like my favorite at the time. And after we opened our presents, because we always open them on Christmas Eve, um, it was like two in the morning. I went down into the basement and I watched this DVD and ate those chips right away. And it was uh, for those a boot to rock by strapping young lad and oh, nice. watching Gene Hoagland drum on that DVD, like completely changed how I play. Dude, uh, he is like. He is a beast, man. He like I I I got to see him with strapping years and years ago and it was just <clears throat> unbelievable. Just yeah. I I got no any video I've seen online and I know he's done stuff with Drumeo and stuff and it's just I I it's insane, man. Yeah. I mean, like that guy is and I I've listened to podcasts with him and he seems like the nicest dude in the world. Oh yeah, like, he seems super nice. We should yeah, see if he'll come on this. stand-up guy. He'll be our first guest. <laughs> yeah, Gene, if you're listening, we want to <laughs> chat. We want to. We we want to be talking drums with you. But man, uh, that uh, like watching that it was just huge. Like that was kind of the first time I really realized like the the whole kind of quad fill thing, um, where you're kind of like putting a you know kick kick tom tom kick kick tom. He did a lot of that kind of stuff, and just the the way he did his blast beats and his double bass and his groove. Everything about it, I watched that DVD over and over and over. Um, and Strapping Young Lad is still, like, it's one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I mean, you can still even, this is probably not a huge amount, but that gets through. But, like, there's definitely still Strapping Young Lad influence that goes into Centuries songs. Really? I definitely did not pick up on that. I had no idea you are such a Strapping fan. Huge. Like, big enough to the wow. point where, like, I probably know all the words to pretty much every song. Um, yeah, it was like just played to death. I don't know if I've listened to any band more than them. Wow. I will say like, I, I never got into strapping, um, up until I was probably about like 18, 19 maybe. And mm-hmm. I got the album, the new black, I want to say it's called. Yeah. Uh, and dude, that, that is just full of bangers. Like so many great mm-hmm. tunes on that. That's a good album, but that album, I mean, that's also, I think, their last album. Um, That kind of marked the transition between Devin Townsend quitting Strapping Young Lad and starting his stuff, which I like, but I don't like as much. Um, Mm -hmm. His earlier albums, I find, are my favorite. They've got this this tone to them, this this chaotic feel. Alien is an incredible album. Um, and, And The New Black was cool, but it just didn't have that darkness that the other ones had. Um that I love, but yeah. I mean, still the drumming is amazing. I mean, going back to Gene Hoagland, like his work uh, on death clock as well. Like he's won awards for some of that drumming. I don't know if you've really listened to much death clock, but it's like the drumming is insane. Oh yeah, dude. I have <clears throat> been a massive death clock fan for like, since it started, I remember when like hearing about 
Metalocalypse because me and my brother were huge fans of the show Home Movies. Oh, nice. Brendan Small did back in the day, and we would religiously watch it. And then all of a sudden, after season, I want to say season five, like the last episode went on and the guy, the kid's camera broke and we're like, wait, is that it? Like, is this the end of this? <laughs> and then it was maybe a couple months later, we found out that he was starting this thing called Metalocalypse. And all about this, like the biggest metal band, biggest band in the world that like, and all that. And we were like, oh my God, like this is incredible. And so um, I've been following uh, Death Clock and Metalocalypse, like, like. I didn't know you were a home movies fan. I uh, also Dude. love home movies and we can talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> but Absolutely, uh, man. Dude, exciting. I, yeah, I love home movies. Like, love Great. it. Like, Great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I have every season on my hard drive. It's great. We had it all on DVD. Fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, back to drumming. And so, also to, to touch back as well, that Testament album, The Gathering, 100%. I've listened to that a ton. Of, I just had to see the, the album artwork. Oh, nice. But yeah. That was the one Testament record that my brother had in his car oh, that we listened to all the time. It's a fantastic album. So, so who is your Gene Hoagland? Um, that's a tough one. Um i there there wasn't any like specific dvd or anything of that nature that i saw i there's two guys that come to mind that have influenced my playing as far as um me gaining my my style within crimson shadows and kind of progressing from there and uh dave mcintosh who's the uh uh, not original drummer, but was the drummer for Dragon Force uh, from Sonic Firestorm up until uh, one of their more recent records. I think G's only been on their last <clears throat> two albums. Um, but yeah, Dave Dave McIntosh, his his playing would just like was like dumbfounding to me. Yeah. Uh, the way that he mixed blast beats into power metal and just that like overly like just like stupid extreme aspect of his playing towards such a melodic type of um like song structure and everything kind of i guess like dragon force in general is extreme and and all over the place but yeah and he would just he he'd add in certain things and his his fills would always um give a certain dynamic to it that i i loved i don't know i always just like looked up to him um, he's a very short man, so <laughs> I actually like would look down. Um, but I, you know, I've met him several times. We we've, we've hung out and and we've had some good chats. And he's a he's a great dude. Nice. Um, but yeah, him. Uh, like he he was a massive influence, especially the album Sonic Firestorm. Um, was like that's all, I I didn't stop listening to that record, uh, and that's right probably around the time that I started playing drums. Um, <laughs> And the other, um, the other huge influence, um, uh, would be Thomas, uh, I can't pronounce his last name now, uh, from Blind Guardian, uh, who also played in Savage, Savage Circus. Um, and he, he definitely was huge. And that Blind Guardian DVD that they released, um, 
was like we used to have that on on repeat in yeah. the house you know and watching him play it was really it was sad when he saw playing with them because like albums like um imaginations from the other side and somewhere far beyond his it, his drumming seemed to drive a lot of those songs mm-hmm. uh and that's what really caught me caught my ear with his playing was that yes the songs in general the guitar melodies the vocals everything but i was always listening to the drums and what they were doing and i i believe in like an interview or something like that he talked about um somewhere far beyond and he intentionally hit like every single hit on that record was as hard as he could Mm-hmm. Like he pl- he beat the shit out of those drums for that album, because uh, he didn't want anything triggered. He wanted everything to be like the natural kit and and everything like that. And you can hear it, man. Like yeah. that that album, the drums on that really like really pack a punch, dude. Like it's it's crazy. That's so crazy. like my my influences definitely come more from the um the the power metal side of things yeah um like that's just what i was into that's hard what i what influenced my playing back then you know um and especially thomas has like a lot more kind of like groove and feel to a lot of his fills and and his transitions which Mm -hmm. i i really like looked looked up upon i guess um because especially playing extreme music and stuff i guess like Death metal is like a lot of blast beats and double kick, but you're kind of like, you got to lock into that beat and keep the feel. So really the only times you have to kind of express yourself sometimes is your transitions and your fills mm-hmm. to kind of, those are your highlights, right? So it's, it's those times. And, and those two drummers um, really kind of, I really love the way that they, they showcase themselves in those brief moments, right? Yeah, definitely. mm -hmm. That's cool. So, um, whatever, we got like 10 minutes here left. So uh, I feel like we'll have to do the expedited version of the remaining drummers. Um, (laughs) Dude, this could go on forever. I know. know? (laughs) And even there's so many drummers that have influenced me um, because I just listened to their bit, the bands they were in or like they recorded one album by this. And I was like, it's just like, some unknown dude but like the drumming on it was so good yeah um and i dude i don't know his name but he played for the band all shell parish for a while oh, yeah. um and he he didn't play on their last record but the album awaken the dreamers and i've talked to many drummers about this as well uh that love that band and that album like seems to be pushed f- from the drummer like everything kind of is created and felt around the drums like it was just like crazy crazy good good record like i i'm i'm blown away by the performance on that that pretty cool i'll have to check that one out i haven't actually heard them Um, dude check out that record that one and price of existence the only thing i'll say like price of existence has a weird like frequency that should have been eq'd out um (laughs) on the master bus but that but like dude awaken the dreamers is fucking incredible that's cool 
So I only have two more metal drummers on my my list of like main influences. Um, so the first metal drummer is uh, Mario Duplanter from Gojira. Um, and I, remember- I I couldn't tell. I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> well, it's it's inter- <laughs> it's actually pretty interesting because um, so whenever I first heard Gojira. Um, I fell in love with them, but also I noticed that they were doing stuff that like Devin and I also were kind of doing like um, at the time. And it turns out that like those two brothers, Joe and Mario, they're both very influenced by Sepultura. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's also an influence that like Devin and I had, like I remember us playing a lot, like not enough for me to list the drummer, but like I remember listening to Sepultura as a teen and like Devin was huge into them. Um, and like, that's where we got a lot of the things that we like, you know, trim picking and locking up really fast bass drum and to it and just stuff like that. And it was interesting to hear like, Gojira doing it because it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, this is right up our alley. Um, fortunately, they got giant from it. <laughs> yeah, but, they kind of beat you to the punch, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but that's OK. <laughs> um, but then uh, so that was quite a while ago. I discovered like them. And then uh, I'm going to skip forward uh because pretty much from then on um most of my drumming influences were not metal drummers um it was almost like okay yeah like i get it i people blast they can go fast now uh and i started getting into different genres um and gavin harrison was one of those he's a played in porcupine tree whenever i got into him and now he i think he plays in king crimson and has some of his own solo things and um if you've ever heard him check out his playing it's just insane he's he's very jazzy and um progressive uh but he's just really interesting and i and i actually got a chance to go see him in a clinic uh which was very rare in pei like that didn't happen he didn't come to pei i had to drive five hours to halifax to go see him and it was right before i moved up to toronto and i had been just getting really into watching his videos and listening like reading interviews and getting his theory on playing and getting to see him live was so cool and i got to go meet him um, just like at like a meet and greet, like it was pretty much like everyone lined up and he's at a table and he's all tired from doing the clinic. And I'm like in line thinking like, oh, I want to tell him all this stuff, like how much I appreciate him. And like, I'm moving to Toronto to, to you know, to get to do more drumming. And I got up to him like, hi, that, that was really great. Thanks. And then I like got a really awkward picture with him and left. <laughs> That's always how it goes, man. You yeah. think in your head, like, this is exactly how the conversation is going to go, and it's going to be, like, great, and we're going to become best friends, and then we're going to hang out on the weekend, and, and then like, you're just like, hey, dude, thanks. And then yeah. that's it. <laughs> you're like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much uh, that. Yeah. It, it was awkward, but it was really cool to get to see him play. That's uh, sick, man. I honestly, I haven't um, gone to enough clinics. And, yeah, me either. And, and stuff, you know, and I see like several of my my drumming buddies are doing clinics and they none of them live anywhere um, close to where I am around Toronto. Like uh, Chris Stevenson uh, of in Ottawa, he's been doing more clinics, not recently, but like within the last uh, couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's actually I don't know if he's released it yet, but he's writing a book as well. Yeah, yeah. He's telling me about that. It sounds really cool. Man, like that that guy is in, incredible. Like he like uh he he's amazing. Man, I would and, love to do a clinic someday. I think it would be so fun to just go up and talk about like what you do. <laughs> well maybe uh maybe we will. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll go. We'll go do a clinic. Uh, you can play drums, and I'll just talk. I'll. <laughs> it'll be fun, you know. Um, but also my buddy, um, Brian uh, James Newberry, uh, who plays in Into Eternity and about eighteen other metal bands. Uh, he's been doing clinics too, and yeah. man, he's guy great. just. Dude, the guy just crushes. He's yeah. he's he's incredible. So many great drummers up here in Canada, man. So it's really awesome. I know um, this is a person that we've both kind of talked about, but it's hard to not include him in a list like this. Uh, Thomas Lang. Yes, of course. Like, yeah, that guy is not human. Um, no. Another non-human no, a little bit. <laughs> that I love is Tony Royster Jr. You ever heard of him? Name sounds familiar. So um, back um, when I was a new, new, dr- like not new, new, I've been playing for maybe a couple of years. Um, there's this drum solo. It was a 12 year old kid and he came out and just ripped this insane solo. Like, it's still awesome. It's just, he was like a prodigy. Um, and uh, I've been following him ever since that. And he plays for Jay-Z now. Um, but he plays really boring stuff for Jay-Z. But this guy is so, so technically capable. And, the cool thing is like, I mean, his, his jazz skills and all that stuff is there, but you can tell that he just loves to hit hard and fast and like, he just shreds it around this, his kit and he's so good. Um, yeah, it's just insane watching him play again, not at all a metal drummer, but yeah. And you know, like not every thing is based around metal, man. Like music is a lot more than metal. And I know metal heads will argue that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's tons of amazing players. Some of the best musicians in general are in the pop world. Sad. Oh, like, yeah. Not, maybe not sad, but, like, oddly enough, man, and they are fucking perfect. Yeah. You know? Like, They're so good. They are on top of their shit. And, like, I I couldn't go play for fucking Mariah Carey or whoever <laughs> the big pop artist is. I don't follow pop music anymore. Uh, or <laughs> yeah, it'd be really stressful did. playing for someone. Like, even though it's a pretty simple beat, it's just like, it'd be so stressful. <laughs> oh, dude. And I I had a potential uh, studio session with a hip-hop artist uh, probably like a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. And man, I was stressing out like crazy. Uh, the session never happened, but, um, I got sent the track and it was a new track by this like, uh, hip hop guy out of Toronto and he was like starting to blow up and he wanted to have all live instruments and everything recorded live off the floor, uh, with him, like everyone in the same room, like boom, and everything had to be perfect. And my buddy called me up. He's like, dude, do you think you can do this? And I'm like, fuck, I, I can't say no, man. Like, I, yeah. I have to be able to do this. So, yeah, I got the track and I was just like, fuck, man. The way they <laughs> write drum beats for hip hop is not like a human way to actually play drums. So it was so <laughs> hard to like, like listen in. And they have like two different hi-hats layered. Like it was super weird, but yeah anyways the session never happened it doesn't matter um but those hip-hop guys and stuff uh and like gospel players man Mm. they're insane those gospel chops man they they're something else oh absolutely else man yeah i just find um you know after 
I mean, you know, listening to metal for 20 plus years, um, even like the crazy, crazy fast ones, um, you know, it's rare for me to be like, oh, wow, that person's doing something really interesting. Because a lot of the time it is speed, um, which, you know, is is great. I, I definitely have a spot, soft spot for extreme speed, but I find myself more and more just being interested in, you know, oh, what rudiments is this person using? How are they doing this? How are they getting their limbs to be so independent of one another? And um, the one guy right now um and i've been following him for for years and years um that no matter if he's doing like a death metal cover or if he's doing some like pop rock cover whatever it may be he's i'm intrigued by him and that alex rudinger oh yeah the guy is an absolute beast uh now most of his stuff is metal like he did the Conquering Dystopia record with like Jeff Loomis and Keith Morrow, mm-hmm. great and Alex Webster. Like, dude, that is just an insane lineup of musicians, and that album is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, but then he started doing stuff with Good Tiger. This this new project that he I don't know if he started or just like with buddies or whatever, and it was not metal. It was mm-hmm. not metal at all, but watching him play the songs was still like super interesting just his feel and his groove and the guy is a machine um but at the same time he has so much feel to his playing mm-hmm. which is insane to me um and i know he's in a couple of podcasts people have talked about how he kind of grew up listening to, to all these metal records that were all quantized into the grid and essentially like perfect so he thought that that's how you have to play yeah uh meanwhile in the studio that is not what those raw tracks sounded like <laughs> at all. you know like drum editing is a real thing and quantize and you know all that stuff happens yeah. um so, you know, he just thought that. So he's like, I have to do that. I have to play it absolutely perfectly, you know, and I have to play hard and it, like make every hit sound as perfect as it needs to. You know? mm-hmm. So he did that. But his feel is and dude, what's crazy about it, too, is I, I first saw him with Threat Signal, I think, on his first ever tour um, that he did. And I got to see him two nights in a row. I never talked to him. I I think I might've said like, Hey, great set, man. But I wish I fucking wish to God that I had talked to him more. Um, but, um, I just, I didn't, uh, but he, I I was absolutely blown away by him man. absolutely. And he was like 18 at the time, I think. And he was just absolutely perfect and i knew from that moment i was like this kid's gonna do fucking amazing things man yeah like he ain't gonna be with ret signal forever (laughs) because like he and now he is like one of the biggest up-and-coming drummers yeah um, he's playing with white chapel now i think yeah he he's a white chapel's live guy and you know i assume that he'll do the next record i fucking hope that he does the next record with white chapel because man you couldn't have a better drummer for that band and like i'm i'm not a big a huge fan of white chapel's like new new stuff um 
their like their last record didn't like really do much for me but i'm still a big white chapel fan in general and like alex rudinger is like just like the best fit for that band hands yeah. down for as how big they are and and just like the actual like um groove and feel that yeah. they they need and tightness yeah man you know who i have been um my most recent influence is actually actually is a metal drummer uh, and it's Jamie St. Merritt from Ulcerate. Have you seen or heard of his stuff? You, I'm pretty sure you have shown me several videos because you fucking love this guy This so guy much. is mind-blowing. He's, like, not human. It's crazy. Um, and it's cool because he's really interesting, like, super, super fast blast beats and double bass, but also interesting fills and really tappity things and um, just not your typical metal drumming. and. Uh, I was reading an interview with him and he was talking about like his influences and he listed off like a whole bunch of drummers. I like, like Thomas Lang and, and I think he even mentioned Gavin Harrison and stuff. And it was like, he also is like, you know, I don't really follow a ton of metal drummers. I'm influenced by these guys like Dennis chambers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's just really cool to see his playing um, and live. He's so perfect, um, which is crazy. Uh, and it just like looks effortless to him. Um, but I won't go on about him for too long because we're pretty much out of time. I do want to also say one more, uh, one last one for me at least, and that's Annika Niles. Uh, if you've ever heard of her, oh, um, dude, when her first video dropped, I think it was two thousand. I want to say it was two thousand fourteen. I was in the studio with Crimson. I much I must have watched that video about like eighteen times a day. Yeah, man, she's like, so good just so so phenomenal like uh and she writes all her own music like the the backing tracks and everything like that as well yeah you know, which, yeah it's nuts like yeah it's crazy um, i definitely i i follow her her instagram uh page like like crazy man yeah like, same. I'm all over it it's just yeah. like such a interesting mix of like you know tasty delicate playing and then she does these huge monster fills that are really fast and powerful with all these crazy rudiments like dispersed amongst them. And um, it's like insane time signature changes and like, yeah, like it's just, Oh yeah. man, Yeah. I I can't say enough good things about her, man. She's, she's incredible. Yeah. There's like, I feel like we have like four more episodes on this topic. There's so many drummers that I could list as like, Oh yeah, this is someone like, you know, we didn't even like mention like, you know, Chris Adler, which I'm sure has influenced pretty much every metal drummer out there. And, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. No mention of Lars, I guess. No, I don't think we need to mention <laughs> Lars influenced me in the way of how, how the drum beat I from one, the don't, how I don't <laughs> want to play. Um, I don't even. I don't even want to get into that. Um, I don't want to disrespect Lars or 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 Metallica or anything like that because they are fucking phenomenal at what they do, and Mm -hmm. that guy has done more stuff in his life than I'll ever do. So, (laughs) Um, but like two two of the big guys for me, uh, like even right now, are Dan Preslin from uh, Neo Bloviscaris. Yeah, he's that guy is a, a ripper and he, he does session work for so many other bands. One of the things um, I forget what the other band is called, but they're like a super intense kind of like progressive death metal band. 
and just like blast beats out the ass. And they went on tour with Neil Bloviscar. So he was doing double sets every night. Yeah, that's and crazy. I mean, it probably it probably didn't phase him at all either. Uh, dude, that, that phases anyone, especially because Neo is headlining that tour. So they were, <laughs> he was doing a headlining set plus an opening set. Um, but also, uh, he was, I, I, he didn't tell me directly. Um, but I heard that he never actually rehearsed with the band. So he recorded their album. He rehearsed at home and their first time playing together as a unit was on stage at the first show of the tour. Oh man, that's crazy. Dude, that's that's nuts. Yeah. Um that's absolutely insane. Uh that's a that puts a lot of trust in in one guy cuz that drummer needs to hold it together or else everything's falling apart. Oh, that sounds stressful. You know. Um, I've been following I, this I guy. I kind of like it that way though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I hate stress. It's the worst. That's why I only play in one band. <laughs> um one guy I've been following on Instagram, I'm going to say, is, I'm going to butcher his name here. L. Estiperio Cyberano. Um. <laughs> I think you definitely got that wrong. Yeah, probably. He's <laughs> crazy. I think he started life as a metal drummer, but he just plays single kick now. And he has got, he just goes back and forth between his foot and his hand at like 220, both hands doing different patterns so precisely and cleanly. Um, it's hard to describe his playing, but it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's 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 the last one I'm going to say. You got any other, right. any closing remarks, dude? I got a million. Like you got Crim <laughs> uh, from Septic Flesh. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Uh, like that guy has been insane. Ken Bedeen from from Aborted. That guy like taught me how to do the swivel. Like they like it. That guy's nuts. Oh, Derek um, Roddy. The, oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ash Pearson from Revocation. That guy, I've seen him do some stuff at, at clinics. And he may be a metal guy, but man, he like goes into some samba grooves and like he's all over the place, man. And he he's really good friends with Gene Hoagland. And I know when he was first starting out him and him and Gene used to hang out all the time and stuff. That's uh, crazy. And, and because he lives in Vancouver. The so, next episode that we do, we should literally just list names for a full hour of drummers. We like, yeah, yeah, that's it. We're just, we're just talking <laughs> about other people, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I feel like we're at, uh, we're well over an hour now. Um, so uh, we should probably wrap this up. People are probably getting bored of us. Just yeah, like, if you're still fucking... listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and go check out some of those drummers if you haven't heard of them. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, and if any of those drummers are listening um, and want to come chat with us sometime, <laughs> <then just laughs> that'd be great. We won't fangirl too hard. Yeah, no, absolutely not, man. I I pro- I don't promise. I'm not anything. promising anything. I've just said that no, to get them in here. 100%. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Excellent, man. Uh good chatting and uh you know, until until next week. You know what, dude, these this is like my favorite time of the week is when we get together and have these talks. I know, it's uh, nice. You know? No matter what happens throughout the week, I know that like I'm going to have like a solid hour of bro drum time and i always feel more inspired after after these these talks so totally you know, thank you it's not the you same know. talking to a, like the guitar players in your band about drums but it is they just humor you 
I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah. nice. You got your nice little snare drum over there. <laughs> or like talk, even talking to non-musicians, like when people at work ask me like, what's up? And I'm like, oh man, I just like learned this groove or like I got a new snare drum and I'm like so pumped. And they're like, dude, that's fucking weird. Like yeah. it's just a drum. You're supposed like, to be an adult. <laughs> dude, I just like got a new snare drum did i i I just said that like you should be like freaking out right now like i am (laughs) that's huge (laughs) yeah but then when the next week i come in and i'm like oh yeah i got another new snare drum they're like fuck dude like come on (laughs) can never have too many snares man anyways all right well let's see if we can we can sync this one up everybody you've been listening to we're talking drums drums. Uh, you can (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right that was okay <laughs> i don't know how good that's gonna be my i had no idea what range you're going for anyways we'll edit that we'll edit it we'll in i'll auto tune it it'll be fine all right man all right we'll, man uh, until we'll talk next soon. week absolutely keep drumming hey everybody thank you for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed it make sure to check us out on facebook and instagram and if you're feeling especially kind we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two if you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.